Hunter, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm doing so good. How are you? You know, I'm doing okay, but it's whatever, man. It wouldn't matter if I wasn't anyway. Well, it would, you know. Uh, exciting news today. Episode one went live, and all of our friends got to see it. So, uh... I know, dude. Last time I looked, uh, after eight hours, we had 25 views. So we're basically viral at this point. That's right. We are. I mean, we're going to break the internet if we're not careful. I went ahead and uh, just tweeted out just, you know, our decision to quit our day jobs and become full-time podcasters here. Uh, oh, oh, well, I guess I have to tell my boss. <laughs> He's not going to be happy. Just don't tell him. Oh, I'll just quit showing up? Yep. Oh, they love that, I bet. Yeah, to see see how long you can get paid and not do anything. <laughs> that sounds like a fun game that I am not courageous enough to play. I mean, I feel like if they just let that happen, it's kind of their fault. Like, they should be keeping up with the work you do. So if they don't, they keep paying you, then it's not your fault. You didn't ask for the money. That's true. That's true. I mean, that's that's my mindset on it. Sounds good. Let's just take this. <laughs> we can take this corporate fraud scheme on the road. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, the goal of engineering, I've always said, is to get the most done with the least amount of work possible. So unless you're a civil engineer, then please, dear God, do your job because we'll all die. <laughs> yeah, if you're a civil, you may be the most important type of engineer that there is. That is <laughs> That's true. Uh, it's kind of funny because every single branch of engineering that, you know, I found in engineering school anyway, they all have that other branch that they pick on and that, they, you know, they kind of make fun of it. It's pretty humorous when you actually hear people talk about it. Like we literally have any reason to beef with anybody at all. We're right. all nerds and we all did a bunch of math together. Like <laughs> the only difference is we like to have mechanical stuff that moves and civil engineers like to have stuff that doesn't move. Right. That's literally the difference. I think I was, I was having a conversation about the civil versus mechanical and I'll, I'll tell this quick, but it's a really funny story. Um, and we were talking about how you have to, you have to double check and triple check yourself when you're doing civil, because like if you do anything wrong on a bridge design, the bridge could collapse. And that's something that they drill into your head in the civil engineering program. And I was, I was like, you know, they didn't really talk about that with us in school, but this is a true story from work. We were, we were finishing a machine and there's a reject area on the machine that kicks out the parts that, that, uh, that don't pass inspection. And I, uh, a guy pokes his head around the cubicle and he's like, Hey Hunter, what is the distance from the bottom of the, uh, the machine up to this, this point inside the machine where uh, where the pneumatic cylinder fires this part off of the line and down the chute and into the reject bin. And I was like, ah, oh, it's 11 inches. You know, that's, that's, that's how far the thing falls before it, before it gets to the bin. And they said, oh, well, we probably should think about that because 11 inches is enough for somebody to shove their hand up in the machine and de deglove themselves or lose a finger. And I'm like, I, okay. I didn't think about that because in my mind, if a machine's running, you don't put your hand in there. But apparently, this is something I now have to do. I have to debase myself and think, how horribly could I kill myself on this machine if I was an idiot? And then I have to design around that. 
So, so um, it's a different application, but now I have to design things where people won't die. So, um, I mean, I, I get it, man. That's one thing that we really weren't taught that much of is kind of the human engineering side of things. Like you have to real, I mean, you kind of touched on it in, in senior design, I remember, but you really have to think whenever I'm building this, what is the worst thing that someone could do with it? And it's it's kind of like that running joke of whenever you see absolutely absurd safety signs and do not do this type thing from signs because there's a reason those signs are up because somebody did that task or right. that, that thing. So it's the exact same way. You have to really, really think about that. What What's the worst thing someone could do? Could they put their foot up in this thing because it's a perfect, you know, 90 degree angle? Can they shove their arm up in this and get it stuck? I mean, it's it's ridiculous, that sort of thing. But really, that's there's there's entire fields of engineering that are literally devoted to figuring out how to keep the the less inclined people <laughs> from doing things like that to themselves. You were man. about to say morons, so I'll say it. The morons. <laughs> I mean, if if you don't know anything about electricity, don't go sticking your hand, you know, in a circuit breaker. Don't stick a spoon in an outlet. Uh, if you don't know how a mechanical thing works, don't go poking around in it because, man, there's... You can hear all those old stories before, you know, before OSHA was a thing and there were just really no rules about the horrible stuff that happened from people that just there wasn't the safety, you know, safety mechanisms on machines and devices and stuff like that. So, man, it's crazy. You have to really, really think about that. And especially in your line where you're designing parts and machines that people will uh, people will be working with every single day. I imagine you have to. Do your best to make it stupid proof. Absolutely. Basically, I just have to think. Um, I have to think about just stopping natural selection. Is kind of <laughs> <laughs> is kind of the in terms of 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 what I do. So I'm like, well, <laughs> how could this really hurt someone? And I have to think of all the way. And it does. It makes me feel kind of dumb because I'm like. You, of course, you wouldn't shove your hand up in something that's moving, but somebody might. They might not know. You know, so yeah, basically I just, I just thumb my nose at natural selection and I'm like, ha ha. <laughs> I mean, and it's a thing that it's really important because especially in industry, and I mean, I'm sure you found it. I mean, every, everything, when you really go out into the workplace, it's all centered around the bottom dollar. So, uh, you know, the, the time and on the, general you should understand this to like you know new employees at a different company that are using your machine for example if the time wasn't taken to tell them hey do not stick your hand up this outshoot because there's a lever arm that comes down and will snap it off like if somebody didn't explicitly say that who knows something gets yeah. stuck they just shove their hand up in there and it's, right. it's like why why would that be your first option why why is that your initial thought? Huh? This is the the best way to dislodge this can from sliding down here is to shove my arm up in this mechanical <laughs> device. Like it doesn't make sense when when that happens, man, but it I does say, every day. I say all that just the alternative is, you know, someone injures themselves on one of our machines, we get sued and I lose a job. So, I guess, 
<laughs> I guess really the alternative is worse. Um, but, uh, but it, it is kind of silly to, to put yourself in those shoes and, and have to think like, if I didn't have common sense, how, how could this thing hurt me? I mean, that's really what you have to think about. And, you know, it's, it's a mindset to think about that stuff. You have to sit there and be like, huh, what, what could possibly go wrong? If I, if I, how could I hurt myself the worst ways on this if I tried to? And, you know, once you come up with all those, you know, you, hopefully you've got it all. But man, I found, especially when like field engineering occurs, when something goes wrong and, People decide to just fix it the the best way that they know how on the fly. Uh, that's usually when the worst stuff happens to us. So you really have to keep all that stuff in mind, man. It's 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 a wild world out there. It's the wild west when it comes to uh, comes to that bottom dollar. That's true. In manufacturing, which is you know kind of what we're both in here, uh, nobody wants to get in trouble, especially if you're <laughs> you know you're on a line working, and because of that. People just do what they can to keep, you know, production or whatever moving along. And, right. you know, I, I've tried to really instill that at work. Like if something goes wrong, like, you know, we do a whole lot of stuff. Like we have a lot of things that come out really, really quickly. So obviously failures are going to happen. Mistakes are going to happen. You know, let me know when that happens. And don't just try to jerry-rig it to where it works because that's when accidents occur. and uh, when it ends up being way worse than if you had said, uh, hey, Cody, we, we messed this piece up. What do we need to do? You know? Right. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's our, uh, that's our safety talk for the day. Uh, don't stick your arm in things that you're not supposed to stick your arm in. Amen. Or your foot, or your finger, or your head. Just don't stick but anything I, where it doesn't belong. That's really the, the long <laughs> and short of it all. <laughs> if... If any part of your body gets to where you cannot see it whenever you stick it into something else, just don't stick it up in there. <laughs> like, uh, Who knows what'll happen? <laughs> like that's that's what always makes me laugh whenever I see you know certain signs in in different places and and safety signs. It's like there's a reason these are up. It's because somebody did this, and it <laughs> the best one I've ever saw was uh, it was for a. Uh, uh, it's like a, a power bus or something. And they said that their boss said that there wasn't a clear enough description of what would happen on it. If, if somebody touched a part, they weren't supposed to. So the sign was like, do not touch. Uh, if you do, you will die and it will hurt the whole time. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that's pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to be pretty dumb to touch it after that. I think, but still people do. Well, and that's why they're on under like padlock with these big metal cases on them. Cause man, people, people just try to get into stuff. It's, it's ridiculous, but it happens. But anyway, Hunter, you want to talk about our new segment that we're going to have here for the next, you know, few months anyway? Absolutely. You know, we, we really discussed this and I know that everybody wants to know how Hunter's leg is healing and, you know, know about the process. Cause as you heard last time, it was, what, what are we at now? 11 weeks of no weight on it? Well, so, yesterday marked uh, 10 weeks to go. It's, I'm two weeks post-op. Okay, so 10 weeks of no weight on it, and y'all are going to be getting a weekly update, and we're going to call it Hunter's Leg Segment, but 
we thought the best name to call it was Hunter's Legment because that's just funny. I don't care what you say. It's so short, sweet, and to the point. <laughs> so go ahead, Hunter, and give us your weekly legment. Ah, my weekly legment. All right. So I've uh, I've got my my legs in a cast right now. Um, I cannot see what's going on in there, but uh, tomorrow I'm going to get recasted. Because this one is now loose. So I assume that some swelling has gone down, which is great. Um, so it's um, all things considered, it's good. I'm, I'm finishing up my second round of antibiotics tomorrow morning. And uh, we're hoping that <laughs> hoping that that, uh, that takes care of some things. Um, I've been more inclined to be out and about. Um, my energy levels kind of returning to normal. Those first uh, first week and a half after surgery, I just felt, I mean, obviously my body had undergone some severe stress, so I, I just felt whooped. And now I'm starting to get back on a normal schedule. This coming Monday, they're going to clear me to go back into work, so I won't have to work remote anymore. Um, I got myself a cool little knee scooter, and today I got a, a care package from my aunt. She sent me, amongst some other things, a, a cup holder <laughs> for my <laughs> knee scooter. So uh, this thing's decked out. I've got a basket. I put a little Decepticon sticker on it. I got myself a cup holder. I uh, got a got a cushy pad for the knee the knee rest. Uh, and the funny part is, I told the folks at work that that I had a, a knee scooter, and that it it goes pretty fast um, because whenever you put it on anything that's not flat ground, I mean, like it'll it'll get away from you. Gravity and works. Gravity does work. And so I guess somewhere it got lost in translation. They think I have an electric one because <laughs> like, a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> like a, uh, like a rabbit or whatever those are called. The, the things that you see inside Kroger or Walmart, <laughs> a um, little jazzy scooter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I just, am kind of letting them believe that I've got a powered one. And then when I kick in there on Monday with a, with a, uh, analog scooter, they're going to be like, "What the heck, man?" But I, I An told analog them that, scooter. <laughs> I told them that it 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 goes fast, and one of the guys was like, "I'll have um, I'll have one of the programmers out on the floor uh, get into it and up the max speed." <laughs> and, and so I'm like, "Oh, they think I have a powered one." <laughs> I'm going to let them believe that I do. <laughs> well, now that they're willing to turbocharge it for you, you should get one. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. They're expensive, though. They're like thousands of dollars for a, for a powered one. This one was like a hundred bucks on Amazon, and it's great. I mean, listen, I don't want you to get arrested, but those ones that they have at like Kroger and Walmart, those would be pretty easy to bring home <laughs> with you. What are they going to do? I have a cast on my leg. What are they going to do? Stop me? <laughs> sir, sir, get... Uh, oh. <laughs> Sorry, I can't hear you. I'm casted. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't hear you. My leg's broke. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be so funny, dude, if they could trick you out a uh, a jazzy scooter. You have that thing turbocharged That's and right. put some Flowmasters on it or some oh, cherry yeah. bombs, that'd you know, something like that. Just super cool. You know, I'm thinking though with your knee scooter. Um, do you you remember those Razor scooters when they came back out? They put that uh, little piece of metal on the back when the you push it down. The sparks go flying. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, man, get you, dude, get you get you some of those. And they also made some. I know that uh, they had kind of like little 
pivot wheels or caster wheels or something like that on them. So as you were going, yeah, you could drift it. (laughs) Man, you would have the most doped out knee scooter ever. The the sad part is I I already struggle with this one. So odds are, I mean, it's hard and I don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm, I'm fishing for sympathy, but I fell off because I'm so tall. I'm six two. I fell off of my crutches because I'm, I'm so tall and I'm not used to, to supporting myself that way. So that's why I bought the knee scooter, but like, it's still challenging. You basically have to reprogram yourself to walk a different way. And it's just, it's really difficult. And so that all sounds great in theory, but in execution, I'd probably shatter another bone (laughs) because I'd like sail off of it (laughs) and slam into the wall or something. (laughs) Hit a ramp. Who can (laughs) Oh man! Everything goes I can ima- slow-mo. I I can imagine that if you uh if you had one of those and you you would have to kind of reprogram your body, you know, to be able to to move around with it. And then once you get back to where you're doing PT, man, you're gonna look like a newborn deer trying to walk. I know. I hope somebody films it. I mean, shame on you if you don't have it filmed because <laughs> you know that that could be our first ever uh, first ever visual podcast because that's just funny, man. You, know, you just watch me try to walk. <laughs> I mean, I know whenever I had um, my meniscus repaired, you know, just the cartilage around the knee, I had it repaired. It was on a Monday, and by Thursday, I was off of my crutches. Okay, oh. I, I was I was weight bearing at that point. Started to on the Wednesday. But even when I went to PT, just after that short amount of time, she was in there like, all right, give me five squats holding these five pound weights. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I was in pretty good shape at that point. I was going down and I was like, why is my body not working? (laughs) Yeah. What happened? I'm afraid that after, I mean, it's 10 more weeks, 12 weeks total. I'm afraid that this leg is going to look all shriveled and, and just weird. And I drive a manual. This is my clutch foot. So it was already stronger than my other one. So I, I don't know. I'm hoping that he hangs in there. But it's weird. Like I'm, I'll, I'll be laying down and um, it's like my muscles can tell that I'm not doing enough. And they just fire like my, my, my thigh <laughs> muscle. Twitch. Yeah. It just, it's just like, Hey, <laughs> so, so I'm, I don't know. I think my leg is like, Hey dude, listen, <laughs> we've got to move, but I, there's, there's nothing I can do with it. It's just, it's. If you I, really want to be comical, go get you a set of those resistance bands and just beef up your other leg for the next 10 weeks. And then it, you'll be, you'll be comical at that point. <laughs> look like a funhouse mirror. <laughs> you have one leg that literally is just massive like it's the strongest leg in the entire city and then the other one it's frail and weak uh yeah i'm uh that'd be so funny i'm kind of i'm kind of curious to see what what things look like tomorrow i mean it's I, now i've been able to 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 digest the pictures and uh digest what it looked like when they cut me out the first time i was i was honestly shocked I don't know what I was expecting. I've never broken a bone before. I've never had surgery to have metal put in me. But the the pictures, and Cody's seen them, the pictures of my leg when they cut me out of that, uh, that splint after surgery, and that was a week after surgery. Good Lord. Like, I, I almost panicked. It was, it was horrifying. And so, I'll say, I'll say this, you know, as, as 
I think you and me are, are really good friends. I'd even put you in the category of one of my best friends. So I mean this with oh, all well, sincerity. Yeah, I mean this with all sincerity. Your leg looked absolutely nasty, and <laughs> I I wanted to be nowhere near you with that thing. Like it was gross looking, but yeah, I'm hoping that it's uh hoping that's down. I didn't know that many colors could appear on one leg. Nope. I mean, nope, dude. You you were like you were like a nasty rainbow at that point. Just yeah. every every worst possible shade of every color was on your leg. Yeah, it was it was intense. And seeing the pictures now, I, I can I can kind of laugh at it and how how goofy it looks. But when you're in the moment and you see that attached to you, the only way I can describe the feeling is is like when your computer throws an error code. And it's like, I don't know what to do with this. That's what my brain said to me. Like, it was like, I don't know what to do with that. It's attached to you. That That's your leg, but it's not how it's supposed to look. So we're going to have to figure out what's going on. And like, my breathing got real shallow. And I, I, I didn't ever come close to passing out. But <laughs> Cut it off. But Cut it boy, off. <laughs> boy, it was an experience. And I just, I don't know. I, I don't know how, how I didn't lose my cool. But I definitely had a, uh, I guess what I would describe as a small panic attack because I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, I mean, I can imagine because, you know, it's like you said, you, uh, you had never broken a bone before and then you had like major, a major car wreck level incident yeah. from a six inch fall, which is still kind of funny, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you had this like literally catastrophic injury. So I can imagine after you see it for the first time, I'm I'm positive that when you go in there, doctors do the very best they can to be, you know, I don't think they go in there just, you know, you know, trying to cut you open and everything. But uh, I think they try to be as gentle as they can, you know, as delicate as they can. But man, you got to think to repair what you had done. Screws and plates were put into your leg. So they had to really get in there. Yeah. As far down as your leg goes and then, you know, set everything back right and then Frankenstein you back together so yeah. it can heal. So the good news is um, everybody who's seen my x-rays of the reassembled leg, everybody's like, wow, that looks incredible. And so I'm like, all right, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I don't have any like I think it looks cool. You know, oh yeah. I, I don't have any basis to compare it to, but if a bunch of these medical professionals, like people that my mom works with at her hospital and people that work with Bree at, at her hospital, uh, if these people are looking at it and they're like, holy cow, that looks super good. I'll just, okay, thanks. I, that's, that's good to hear. You want to know what the best part about this entire thing is though? And you know, you're going to have to really play the long game with it, but, uh, Whenever you all decide to uh, to grow your family, man, anything that your kids ever have wrong with them, well, yeah, you you know you got a sprained ankle. Well, I literally destroyed my leg, and then you know for the for the third time this year, you pull out the X ray pictures of third, uh, of an entire box of drywall screws that have been put into your. Uh, into your shin bone. So. No, son. Look, look at the photos. Look, just quit crying and look at the photos. <laughs> He's four. He's old enough. <laughs> this is the real world. <laughs> oh, you got a cut playing t-ball? Look at my leg. 
<laughs> Don't tell dad that you uh, you skinned your knee on the sidewalk. He'll get out the leg x-rays again. <laughs> oh, dad, don't get those out again. <laughs> We're going to be great parents. I mean, I feel like I, I feel like when you get old, like that's just an obligation that no matter what the younger generation is going through, you had it worse. That's right. Like, honestly, I can I can remember and not even that far, far back. This this was said to me, but my grandma was like, yeah, I used to get a ride to school part of the way with a milkman. Oh, the, the, the milkman. <laughs> like, yeah, he'd, he'd drive part of the way and then I'd have to uh, I'd have to uh, just walk the, the rest of the way. He'd drive me almost halfway out there if I could catch him. Sometimes I'd have to walk the entire way. And I was like, you know, was this barefoot both ways uphill in the snow? Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm like, well, you know, my AC doesn't work all the time in the summer. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so, man. But yeah, dude, you, you got, you're going to have to keep those pictures, not lose them, because that's going to be, uh, that's going to be anytime something ever happens. Oh, Hunter's pulling out the x ray pictures again. No, you see, that's a great thought, and I for sure I'm going to bookmark that for later, but I don't think that's the best thing that's going to come out of this broken leg deal. I think the best thing to come out of it is I now have an excuse to use the handicap stall at work. <laughs> now, hear me out. I'm what is called a shy pooper. <laughs> if I can avoid... <laughs> I'm really, I understand. I understand. <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying to keep it together right now. Uh, if I can avoid going in public, I will. Home is a sacred place. However, if I absolutely have to, the handicap stall is almost a must. Unless it's like DEFCON 9, then, then you know, then we can talk about another stall. But everyone else at my work also prefers the handicap stall and now that's the only one i can use for for either reason to go to the bathroom because i can't stand at a urinal with my knee scooter uh so if i've got to go i have got to use the handicap stall and so now if somebody's in there i get to wait impatiently with my scooter and then give them a look when they come out of the handicap stall and make them feel guilty for the rest of the day that my friend is the best part <laughs> i really like the idea of uh since you can't stand up just using just using a urinal as a normal toilet while you're <laughs> just, what are y'all looking at <laughs> just, just be like excuse me like like limp over and like hop off the scooter excuse me will you stick your hands under my armpits real quick just will you just <laughs> We just you support, me up. We just support me real fast, and you know because because I've got one leg dangling, I can't like I have to I have to do the kindergarten thing now, where I pull down, <laughs> I pull down past. This may be TMI, but I don't care. I think it's funny. Um, <laughs> I have to pull down past where a normal adult would stop pulling their pants down, just because. I, I, I'm crippled. I don't have the ability and the luxury of being able to, to stealth use the restroom. So, so, uh, so, so that's going to be good, you know, and, uh, 
you know, I have to use the bar to get up and down because it's really hard to stand up with just one leg. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited about, uh, the ability to, to have a reason to use that handicap stall at work because it's my favorite to begin with. And now it's almost like it's reserved for me. So, you know, I would make it a point anytime you ever see someone go into that restroom, I'd immediately go in it also. <laughs> just kind of just kind of idle outside the door. You, y'all going in here? Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Better not grab that handicap stall. <laughs> you never know when I'll have to go. I don't know. I know I, I mentioned this on the phone the other night when we were talking about what to talk about. Should I go ahead and tell the funny story about about since we're on topic? Should I tell the funny story about the bathroom incident my first week at work? Oh, God, please, yes. Okay, all right. So I apologize if people don't like the restroom talk, but I, but it's I, like, funny. I like to take every element of life and, and laugh about it, even if it involves the bathroom. So as we all know, I'm a shy pooper. Um, I don't like to go in public. If I do have to go, I like the handicap stall. And I really don't like for there to be other people in the bathroom to the point, And I know Cody's the same way to the point where if somebody comes in, I wait until they're gone (laughs) to resume (laughs) operations because I don't like the idea of somebody else listening to me. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, um, my first week of work, I started waking up early and I don't know if this happens to anybody else, but when I when I change my sleep schedule, my my bathroom schedule changes as well. I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's because my internal clock gets off and my body's like, well, just send it all. I don't know. I I don't really know what causes that. But it was my first week of work and I had to go really, really bad. And I didn't want to, but I had to. So I got up and I went to there's two bathrooms within an immediate vicinity of my uh, of my workplace, like where my my cubicle is. Um, and so the first one I went into, went into was totally full. There was no stalls. I'm like, dang it. Uh, I guess I picked the wrong time. So I, I go to the other bathroom and all but one stall is occupied. And the stall is of course not an end one. It's one right in the middle. And so I'm like, well, it's either this, or I guess I could die. So I, so I, I, uh, I opted to go in and I sit down. And I'm already uncomfortable and I'm, I'm really trying to, to keep the noise level down. Um, but the guy next to me, I didn't really have to, to, to keep the noise level down because the guy next to me was making so much noise that I think, I think he's okay, but I'm not entirely sure, <laughs> but it was the most horrid, loud, shotgun diarrhea that I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, it's like boom and I'm I'm sitting here and I'm worried for his health now because I'm not even focused on my, my issues anymore. I'm just thinking, is this guy okay? Or am I going to have to call nine one one for them to come get him out of here? And he's breathing heavy and I'm, and he's like grunting and it just was one of the worst experiences. And so I texted Bree and I was like this and I briefed her on what was going on. And I was like, this is a reminder. This is my first week of work. I was like, this is too much. 
I was like, I think I'm going to have to quit. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you so know now, how bad a situation has to be for you to want to quit a job in the middle of a pandemic? It was, I was like, this is, this is a lot. I said, I don't know if I can do this every day. And fortunately I didn't have to, I've, I've managed to, to rein my schedule in. So, um, uh, but yeah, that was, that was something that I don't think I'll ever forget. And, uh, the funny part is the janitor and I have a, we're not, we're not super close, but he's, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty vocal about his opinions. And, uh, he tells me some of the awful things that happen at our uh, facility mm. in the restroom. And that wasn't, unfortunately, the worst thing that he had experienced. And so oh, I was no. like, I was like, Oh, you poor man. I don't think I could do what you do. Uh, I'll just sit here and design on a computer. <laughs> oh so, no! But yeah, it's uh, it's intense. There's there's a lot of adults that need less fiber, and uh, they also need to have their mothers and fathers rebody train them because oh heavens! Uh, and I wonder if if a lot of other workplaces are are like that. You know, where you've got like a shop floor or a machine shop where you've got guys out there who are pretty much existing on coffee. You know. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's that's the common denominator is the, the copious amounts of coffee. Yeah, it's the copious amounts of coffee and the fact that, you know, production just has to go so quickly that your breaks are so limited and so, like you have to be so quick in them. It's like, man, you've got to do your business and go. Yeah, it's it's got to happen I, now or it's not happening until quitting time. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's how it is <clears> like. You know, some places are you a little more lax and you you know, you have a little more of leeway, but man on like high production lines or the ones where it's like the common stuff, you have your you know, your morning break, you have your lunch break, and then like that's it. That's the only chance you get to go. Because yeah. otherwise you're holding everything up. So Yeah, man, I, I get it. It's it's rough. I I'm glad that I'm not in that situation, but uh <laughs> uh yeah. I'd hate to be for I'd hate to be someone who has to, you know, go through those high traffic like production line bathrooms cuz I bet that yeah. is just ugh that's going to be a no for me, dog. So, that <laughs> oh, that's my story. <laughs> but, so I'm glad we got to that on on talking about your leg. I know. Well, I mean it all kind of flows, you know, I got a yeah. broken leg, I get to use the handicap stall. Which reminds me of my funny work story. So, you know, it doesn't. It's it's not too ADD, right? No. So I got to know how are you? Uh, how are you getting to work whenever you you know whenever they clear you to go back? Well, we haven't pounded out the details yet, <clears throat> but Bree has to be at work around the same time that I do. So I assume what we'll do is we'll get up. I'll. Uh, I can't. I normally I would. Uh, Normally I would uh, bathe in the mornings, but uh, I can't do that now because it takes me so long. Because you have to um, be sponge bathed. Yeah, every time. It's mm. <laughs> <laughs> best part of a broken leg. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the best part. No, um, so uh, I assume I'll get up and I'll get ready, and she'll drop me off a little bit early, and th that way she can make it on time. Because my work is a little bit more flexible than hers. Like because I can kind of come and go as I please, provided it's not ridiculous hours 
she is more constrained to when the office is open and not. So she can drop me off a little bit early and I can go in and, and kind of get a head start on my day. And then she can go to work and, uh, and then she'll just come pick me up when she's done. So I think that's, I think that's what we'll do is, um, cause I certainly can't drive. Even if I, even if I owned an automatic, I still don't think I could drive just because of how much it takes. And like, how am I going to get my scooter out? You know, like I, in order, in order to, get in and out of a car and get my scooter. I have to have help. It's just, it just is what it is. So I think she'll chauffeur me around. And then on the day she can't, I didn't know about this, but our town has a handicap shuttle. It's a two way round trip and they'll take you wherever you need to go within the city limits. And it's, Ethra. I think so. I think so. So it's, yep. and when I say two way round trip, it's a $2 round trip rather. Yep. So yep, it costs two bucks and you, they'll take you wherever you want to go. So on the days that she can't, <clears throat> which I don't think there'll be many, I can do that. Or I could bum a ride with somebody else. A lot of my coworkers have already offered and said, you know, they'll help us figure it out. So, so I'm going to tell you this. You will, without a doubt, have been the youngest person to ever step foot on an Ethra bus. <laughs> and I say that unjokingly because... It's generally just all very old people, and it's you know the two dollars to two dollars to go and two dollars to come, man. That's that's how it is. If if I were Bree, I'd tell you just to stay there at work till you can drive again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just throw out a little uh, air mattress and just sleep underneath my desk. Yeah, I'm sure that you've got a uh, somewhere in the vicinity. There's probably a uh, you know a 24 hour gym you could scooter down to to shower and. No, just yeah, 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 yeah. Just get you a couple month membership and literally. Well, just we have use a shower that. at work, so that already solves oh, that. Shoot, you don't even have to go anywhere then. Exactly. Yeah, just take you out. You know, take you out enough money for the week and just live off the vending machines, or, <laughs> or you know, you could probably even get food delivered. It's it. I'm yeah, sure it's for around. sure. Yeah, I've had so that happen. You literally would never have to leave the office. I could just be like scooting around the halls at night, just wee. It'd be like that haunted scene, you know, where like there's the one end of the hallway lit and then there you see like the little thing crawl from room to room in the shadows. You just see you scootering (laughs) room to room. Legend Uh, has it that the hunter ghost haunts these halls at night. You can still hear his scooter wheels. I don't know. (laughs) Nobody at my work is Scottish, but it just seemed like something that a Scottish person, just some folklore that they'd tell. And I'll tell you this, I've never once watched a single horror movie where any person in it was Scottish. I mean, I think I think they'd suck all the fear out of it. They just, yeah. they'd just be like, "Ah, oh, screw the ghost. Let's go get a pint." <laughs> ghost most. Uh, yeah, we got dude, a that... monster that takes boats down. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, though, could you imagine the comp time you'd rack up that way? Oh my heavens! Never clocking out. Jeez. You're basically working for three dollars an hour, but man, that comp time <laughs> be perfect. Uh, well, that's a uh, that's a pretty good segment. I'm glad that we we talked about your leg for literally thirty minutes straight right there. Well, that and then, and other things, but hopefully, I'll have <laughs> some better developments later on down the road, and the legment will remain interesting. I really hope that you have to end up taking Nethra just because, like I said, you <laughs> stories from the bus. Dude, you can gossip with the old people. Oh, and I'll say this, man. I have found out that, you know, 
everybody always talks about the gossiping and the you know the rumors and stuff that happened in high school. Yeah, man, nothing is compared to old women at the beauty salon. That's true. Uh, <laughs> Caroline's uh, her grandma. Mm, she is the gossip queen. <laughs> I got a taste of it at the doctor's office because there were three of us that were on knee scooters. And we were all called back at the same time to the x-ray waiting area. And uh, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're from, how old you are. I mean, they were all older women. And then there was me. But uh, <laughs> but uh, the point is, when you're on a knee scooter, that's that binds all of us. And so we just had, we was like, hey, you know, let's talk about our scooters and how, how, how difficult it is to use them and like, I just had nothing in common with these women other than we all had these knee scooters and then we just all struck up a conversation. So I I don't know. Maybe that's what the world needs is we just need to have a a unifying thing where we're all on knee scooters. And I think that would solve a lot of our problems. This world is not designed for knee scooters. You got that right. (laughs) You know that, you know, coming from, from hearing about your experience, the two things this world is not designed for is knee scooters and left-handed people. That is and, true. Yeah. I'm left-handed, so I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, this world was not designed for me. <laughs> uh, good times, man. I'm well, I'm glad you're uh glad you're making some progress with your leg and uh hope we have some some good gossip stories from the blue-haired women at the oh, for on sure. the Ether bus and I'll know who stole whose casserole dish and all that. Yeah, dude, you'll you'll get to hear all all the gossip, dude. I'm telling you, make friends with them because the, every single day that you ride that, you'll before you know it, you'll end up there at the Great Clips and you'll be uh you'll be a weekly member. <laughs> I'm hoping some of them like carry candy in their purse because that would be a nice little treat. Oh, and you know it's going to be that strawberry candy that you can't buy. Oh yeah. That you put in your mouth and it kind of just sticks to your molars in the exactly. back. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. They. <laughs> That's they, they worth just, the two dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they they bought those bags back in 1984 and they've just been pulling out a few pieces <laughs> at a time and for the original. You can't. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm I'm a candy guy. When it comes to sweets, I would pick candy over probably anything. I've bought a lot in my lifetime. I have never once seen those strawberry candies in the store ever. Are you talking about the ones that have like the jelly in the middle? It's kind of like a jelly in the wrapper. It's kind of like a thin foil that looks and like it, a strawberry. It looks like a strawberry and the top is yeah, green. Yeah, There's only yeah. one place to get those. And let me tell you something. Those are some of my favorite candies too. There's 19... Only- what, 1984? Is that the place to get them? Yeah, you have to have a DeLorean to get there. Uh, <laughs> But seriously, the only place that I know on the face of the planet that you can buy those is Dollar General. And they sell them. You get a big bag of them for a buck. And they used to be, like, when I was in middle school, man, they were the bomb. I bought a bag literally last month. I was in Dollar General, and I saw them. And I was like, oh, my gosh, those, they're so good. I I bought a bag of them. Not only... Did they change something? Because they are not as good. There's not as much Aww. stuff in the middle. The flavor is all wrong. But they they shred your mouth. Like, I, I eat two of them back to back. And I don't bite them. I just, like, sucked on them because they're hard candies. Yeah. And my tongue started bleeding. And so <laughs> I don't know what the... It's like Captain Crunch on steroids. It's just a mouth destroyer. 
And so I was so uh. disappointed because I, I was like, ah, oh, I found them. And here they are. And they're going to be so good. And then I ate two of them. And I was like, oh, no. Not only do they not taste good, but now I'm bleeding. So, well, so, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll tell you what the problem is. They're too new. They have to age? Yeah. You have, like, you get those right now to give to your grandkids. <laughs> Those are those ones that you just bought. They have to age. That's what makes them so good, dude. That sugar just settles in, and the the outside the outside shell just begins to disintegrate, and it's a mushy jelly blob. And that's what makes it so oh, good. That's got to be it. It's got just the slightest layer of crunch on it that you can smush it with your tongue. Like that's oh, when they get man. good. I did not think about that. I mean, honestly, who who did you get those from? Whenever you get them, it's from the old people in your life, whether it be from church or, you know, some kind of gathering you went to or something like that. It was always the old people. And I'm telling you, those candies, I don't believe that any trademark date I ever saw in a bag was in the 2000s. I guess so. I guess you have a point there. I know I do. I always have a point. So I I don't know, man, but the. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I used to think they were the bomb.com, but I was so mm-hmm. disappointed the last time. But that's what I should have done. I should have bought that bag. I should have slung it into a closet and forgot about it for about five yep. years, and yep. then I would have been set. Yep. That's exactly what you have to do. Now, Now you'll, you'll, you'll put those somewhere in the back of a drawer or something like that, and you'll forget about them, and then... You'll taste one in several months or maybe next year, and, and they'll, it'll be just a little bit better than you remember the last time you had it. Just a little bit. The cuts aren't quite as deep on your tongue anymore, <laughs> and that's what's happening, dude. They're aging, and they're, they're becoming perfect. That's what happens. It's like a it's fine like, wine. Yeah, dude. It's like turning coal into a diamond. It just takes yeah. time and pressure. <laughs> the pressure of sitting in the back of a candy drawer. Yeah, dude. The pressure of gravity. It's it's sugar. What what do you expect? Man. All right, Hunter. So going through, you know, we talked yesterday a little bit about uh, what or last week, what we did, you know, what we we did in school, what we do now. So uh, I think it's a good good time to kind of talk about the things that uh, made school bearable, because I think we can both agree that between the research and your situation with some advising issues oh, and, Lord. and, and, and awful, you know, a god awful man who should not have his PhD. <laughs> I know our friends are listening to this and you're going to have to let me tangent for just like a second. Okay. I know our friends are listening to this. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. No when, names. When I say the god awful guy who should not have a PhD, I'm not allowed to say his name. Because we've decided we're going to be nice. It's not a thing he would afford to me, but I'm better than him. However, I'll still do the impersonation. So those of you who know him, you'll get that extra little, ah, just that extra little je ne sais quoi of the impression. But, uh, but I can't say his name, but, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to rail all. I'm going to tell all those stories, man. Oh, there's no way I'm going to do this podcast and not tell all the crazy crap that uh, happened to me. Yes, no save them. I'm saving them. I'm locking it down, but because, because oh, I get worked up about him still, man. <laughs> calm down, calm down. 
I want you to tell us, Hunter, tell us some of the stuff that you did in school that wasn't school. Like what what were the, the things that made made grad school, undergrad, all that more bearable? Because oh man, I, I'm I know that school at times was just absolutely miserable. And I'm guessing that a lot of the people who are listening to us are either old family, friends, or probably in college. So yeah. uh you know, we're we're just trying to trying to make sure that people can enjoy school, uh, make it more bearable, and you know, even if you're not in school, you know, they, you can do this stuff when you're in work. But yeah. what, what what were those things that you did to uh, to 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 make life a little more fun and interesting? I guess the best way to tackle this is to go chronologically because I I I'm the type of person who goes through waves of of things that. I'm not, I don't necessarily want to call them hobbies, but I guess vices is what I would is what I would call them. Things that help me just distract from the everyday. Uh, some constants through my life, of course, have been Transformers. I've always collected Transformers, and I always will. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, to, to leave that aside, I would I would buy toys and play with them, and ta da. Um, so um, then uh, the other things that I would do in school, the the earliest thing I can remember being a vice to to help me deal with with just with school um, was, was car club stuff. So I, um, I, I would, I would uh, early on, there was a bigger car scene in our town where our college was. And then as we progressed towards senior year and then grad school, it devolved into people with really crappy Hondas and, and just rice burners and things that things that didn't look good. And then like people who had stock trucks and they thought that that was, you know, but when I was in a, I was a freshman and sophomore year, there's a group of us. I have a Mustang and you know, I, I really, really like Mustangs. And I know some people might disagree with me on that, but the only cars I've owned have been Mustangs and I really like them. I have an 03 GT right now. It's a convertible. It's a manual. It's older, but I love it. Um, it's exactly what I need, except I can't drive it right now. Um, but, uh, I had a, I had a group of friends and we'd all get our Mustangs together and we'd go cruise around. Uh, and we, we'd park them in a parking lot. We get out and we talk and, um, you know, we never caused any chaos. Like we never did donuts in, in parking lots. The only time I did donuts was if it was to have snowed, uh, we would go out and, and do donuts in a parking lot. And that's pretty much acceptable around here. You know, we actually had an officer come by and watch us do donuts when it, the first year it snowed a whole lot. Uh, my freshman year, uh, we had an officer come by and watch us and he just was like, y'all be careful. So. Um, you know, we, I never did donuts in like a parking lot or anything like that unless it was snowy. Uh, so we were very respectful and very responsible. And that's how you do a car club boys and girls is you're very respectful and you're very responsible and you don't raise cane and people will let you do pretty much whatever. So, uh, we would get together and then additionally, I would just, if I had a really rough day, uh, it was really cathartic for me to get in the car and just drive. And where we are at in about five minutes in any direction, you could be in a beautiful waterfalls, back roads, like curvy back roads. Like it was, it was really, really pretty. So all it took was about five minutes in any direction from campus. And, and you were on some pretty awesome back roads and seeing some pretty awesome scenery. So, uh, a lot of times I just get in the car, be late at night, you know, 10, 11 o'clock. And I just have to clear my head. And so I'd hop in the car and I'd put on some music and I would just drive until I felt better. 
And so that was, that was probably the earliest thing that I did to deal with school. I, uh, I got plugged in with the campus ministry and more so got plugged in with over the years. It's been a couple different churches, but I've settled at one now. And the common denominator there is I do audio video. So a lot of it is, is soundboard and mixing and which is funny because now I have my own mixing console here and a microphone and everything to do this podcast. So I've been training for this my entire life, but, uh, that's, that's what I'm really good at is, is doing the live mixing for shows and, uh, light controls and, uh, pro presenter and like the, the lyrics on the screen. At one point I was managing all of that simultaneously. I was doing soundboard. I was telling the guy what to do about the lights and telling him what to do about the projector. And so, uh, I I've been really, really deep into the audio video world in, in terms of volunteering my time at, uh, at church. It's something I feel like I've been called to do. You know, some people, uh, some people teach Sunday school. Some people do, uh, other things like that. But right now I feel like I've been called to volunteer my time that way and give back to the church that way, because nobody likes to wake up and come in early and do sound check, but it's, it needs to be done, you know, especially now because we're, we're live streaming. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we could talk about that later, but, uh, but that was really something that, that got me plugged in was, was being in the campus ministry and doing audio video. And that's actually, uh, one of the main reasons Cody and I started spending a lot of time together because I mentioned to him that we needed a, uh, a guitarist and he, he got plugged in with our band. And so we spent many, many hours practicing, rehearsing, doing shows and he was playing guitar and I was mixing and there were other people there too. And a lot of them were super great people. Some of them weren't, but you know, um, we can talk about that later, but, um, but yeah, that was, that was a fun time. So, uh, that's something I think we could go into depth on later, but so that, that's kind of a footnote there. And I know you'll talk about that too. So I don't want to, I don't want to take all the air out of that conversation, but then the, the other thing I did, uh, I, I built and flew drones for a little bit and then I crashed one really bad and decided I didn't want to spend more money on it. Um, I built a computer and I actually, it's a computer I've got now. It's actually, uh, uh, gone through a couple of design iterations. This is, I, I, what I'm affectionately referring to as my Mark II. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been upgraded, but I built a computer from scratch and that was fun. Uh, I worked with the 3D printers as, as you guys know from last time, I, I managed that 3D printer lab. So I spent a lot of time in, in that, that maker space working with the 3D printers. I, I did a lot of fun projects. I 3D printed a RoboCop helmet and I 3D printed really a bunch of stuff. But the biggest thing uh, that I've done some 3D printing work on and some traditional machine work on is I, I'm building slowly but surely a one-to-one scale R2-D2 from Star Wars. He's downstairs in my living room right now. Um, I've got I've got him standing He's framed in and he's got his dome just kind of carefully placed on top. So the next step for me is to put in the, uh, reinforce the frame and put in the electronics and the bearing for his, for his, his body, his movement and his dome. So, um, he's, he's, uh, to the point now where it's a cool something to look at, but he doesn't move. But I, I've got, uh, I've got that that I've been working on for, for many, many years. It's something that is kind of taking a back burner right now because I don't have a printer anymore. I don't have access to printers anymore. 
So I'm kind of letting him marinate right now, but eventually I'll get back into him. But that's been a big, big part of, of, of my, <laughs> of my, uh, vice of getting away from the hustle and bustle of every day is just working on that R2D2. So if I had a sure, rough day, man. I'd go up and I'd, I'd work on him and, and make some parts and put them on. And, uh, it was, it was a fun thing to do for a while. So yeah, he's been years in the making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I could have had him finished by now. Don't get me wrong, but, um, you know, I just, I just prefer to take my time with him and not rush through it. And when he's done, I, I can just say, you know, it took me this long and I, I did it my way and there we go. So, um, I think with something like that, it's more about doing it than it is like getting it finished. I mean, some people might be, you know, I want to have this thing finished and moving, but I think the joy when you're building something like that, you know, kind of from scratch, printing it, fusing the parts, painting them, you know, you're going to have to end up doing probably using Arduino or something to coat him around and yep. and all that stuff. So it's more about the putting it together and, and having it saying, yeah, I did all this than it is actually finishing it. Or That's how it would be for me. Yeah. Like he's basically just a skeleton right now. And like our maintenance guys came in the other day to, to work on our lights and they were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like we saw R2-D2 downstairs. And even though he's not done, you know, all it takes is them seeing the dome and the silver and blue and people just know who he is. And so the, the fact that it brings that much joy to people just seeing him sitting in my corner, like he literally, he's hollow. You can stick your hand right through his torso, mm -hmm. uh, but they're like, Oh my gosh, we saw R2. That was really cool. So I don't know. It's, it's fun. And it's something I'll definitely finish one day, but it just has to be the right time. And I've got to have the, the appropriate space to work on him. So sure. I mean, that's when, and when he says it's a one-to-one -one scale, lot. Like you can you can watch the movies and see how big that R2 was. Like, this thing is big. He's 18, <laughs> like it, his dome is 18 inches in diameter. Like, yeah, it this is this is a big thing. So, you know, every part, you know, generally printers when you make or when you have those, the build plate that the actual stuff the plastic comes out on, they're not that big, so this thing has to be printed like in parts, have to be fused together, and all that. So, yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, honestly, I'm pretty sure that there are like, aren't there R2D2 builder clubs that have yeah. like entire workspaces for just dedicated for this? Well, there's there's a there's a worldwide club, uh, astromech.net that uh, that's where you get the plans from, um, and that's uh, so that's people from all over the world contributing files for 3d printing and blueprints and all that stuff but it's all to spec like the whole point of the club is is to make sure everything is to spec and that it's accurate so um there could be workspaces i don't really know but i do know there are people who have built four or five six of these things just because they've got it down to a science and oh, they're yeah. just running these parts so um this first one I'm doing mostly 3D printed stuff with with some wood and some traditional machining stuff as well. But I don't. Uh, eventually, I'll, I'll do another one, and I, I think I'll make him out of metal just because that that'll be, be cool. cool. But yeah, this first dude. one, this practice round, basically, uh, like I'm gonna I'm not gonna tear him apart once I'm done by any sure. stretch of the imagination. But this first one, I figured I, I'd be a little bit more lax with the materials, so he looks good. Like I mean, you've seen him. Oh yeah, yeah, it looks real good. So. That's cool, man, man. I think that's it. I think that's that's it. I mean, I met Bree. Obviously, I started dating Bree in grad school, and so that ended up taking up most All of my of your time. time. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. And I used to yeah. get offended, like when some of my friends would start dating. They 
they'd go off and, you know, you wouldn't see them for, for months. But I mean, that's yeah. what happens when you fall in love. You just. That's exactly how it happens, man. Your, your priorities change whenever you, uh, Absolutely. whenever you, you find the person you're supposed to be with, um, yeah. you know, and that, that's, that's part of, you know, when you get married, it's the, you know, forsaking all others. That's usually in, in your vow. And man, that's how it is. Once yeah. you find that person, you just, you want to give them all of your time. I mean, I know that's how it was with me and Caroline. So I, I understand it completely. Yeah. I used to get, and I, I'm, I was selfish about it. Now looking back, I can see that, but I used to get a little upset at my friends who would, who would start dating somebody and then you just never hear from them again. And, but you know, now like if, if any of y'all are in school or, or in that situation, you don't even have to be in school, but uh, if you're in that situation, just know that, you know, <laughs> yeah, it kind of stinks to lose your friend. But once you once you get in a relationship, you're going to understand all of it. And I hate that that's the way a lot of things go these days. It's like, well, just wait and see. Once you're in that situation, you'll understand. But I, it's just the way it is. You can't know until you've experienced something. And it's not malicious. I, I literally like I have to remind myself to spend time with with other friends. And it's not that I'm like, oh, the heck with everybody else. I just am. I'm so, well, <laughs> I was about to say living life to the fullest, but uh, my leg's broken. I'm so happy and, and content where I am right now. It's like mm -hmm. you don't even really think about other yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, that's kind of a point I was going to make there. You you don't necessarily always just cut people out, but, man, you move into a different stage of life. I mean, even even our friends that, that aren't married, or, you know, they just have, you know, a, a girlfriend or whatever. Uh, you know, even us, you know, being in, you know, we're, we're all working now. So uh, we might see each other, you know, two or three times a year. It yeah. kind of helps that everybody's on social media so we can all kind of keep up with each other. And you feel like you always know what's going on with people. So it makes, you know, makes things a lot easier and you don't have to, find, you know, have that awkwardness whenever you all do hang out. But I get it, man. You, uh, your priorities change and you know, nothing yeah. wrong with that. You just move into a different, different space of life. Yeah. But the, the friend, the friendships you forge that last, uh, I've, I've found this, you can measure a good friendship by this metric. If you can go five, six months without talking to somebody and you call someone up and they're like, Hey, how are you? And you're like, oh, I'm okay. I really got to talk to you about something. I'm really struggling. They're like, shoot, let's talk about it. That's mm -hmm. how you know you got a friend that lasts. And sure. I've got fortunately so, so many of those that I can go months and months and months without even talking to them. And then if I've got a, a problem or I need help or something, like when I broke my leg, I had to, I, I had to call on people to help. And fortunately, most people uh, volunteered, uh, but there were, there were a couple of people I was like, Hey, listen, I really, I really need a hand. And they're like, I'm there. You just let me know. And yeah, so, man. so yeah, those friends are, uh, once you get them, those are the ones that you always want to keep. That's right. Do you have anything else that you did? In no, I think school? I think that's that's about it in terms of because you could get into hobbies and that's one thing, but that's about it in terms of uh, in terms of things I did to help distract from the hustle and bustle of school. Oh, sure. swimming! Holy cow! <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll say it real quick because I know we're a little over time and I don't. It's wanna... all right. We do. We got we got plenty of time. It's all right. Um. Uh, so I swam competitively for 11 years, starting in elementary school. When I got to school, our school does not have a swim team. And I was really bummed out about it. So I took a class my senior year. It was a swimming class and I didn't need it 
because I'd been swimming competitively for my whole life. But I was like, this will be a good ex- excuse to work out, you know, and it fills a credit hour. So I took this class and the guy that was teaching it at that point was a GA and he was coming on. He Like he's an adult and he's he's married and has a family, but he was a GA and he was he was getting in with exercise science, the department that hosted that course. And so he and I started talking because he could tell that I was an experienced swimmer and he was as well. And he was experienced in coaching and I was experienced in teaching lessons for, for about uh, seven years of my life. That's what I did as a job was I was a summer swim instructor with, with a, with a private swim business in my hometown. And so we, we bonded quickly over that. And I was like, you know, man, it just really bums me out that we don't have a swim team. And he said, well, why don't we, why don't we make a club and let's make a swim club for, for the campus. And so I, uh, co-founded and for the first, uh, two years of the club's existence while I was in grad school, I was the president of the swim club. So it's still going. And now that I've graduated, uh, I can't swim now because my legs broken as you all very well know, but, um, I still am, am a member as an alumni. I go back and I'll swim with them. And I also coach, so I'm on the rotation to to coach as well. So uh, about every three weeks, uh, it's my turn to coach, and so I'll type up a set and I'll, I'll I'll coach the the rest of the team, and then any other time I'm in the water and I'm swimming with them. So it's kind of something that lasted uh, outside of school, which I thought was pretty cool. So I, I left my mark many ways at our at our university, but that was one of them was founding the swim club and, and it continues on to this day. And I'm, I'm still proud to be a part of it. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's, that's something that, you know, I feel like people when they're in school, a lot of times will start clubs and they have a few that like their friends that are in it and whatnot. And once they're gone, they kind of fizzle out, but that's neat that you're able to be a part of it and it's still st- sustained today. Yeah. That's it. That, now I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I was kind of like you though, with, uh, with the hobbies. I, you know, I I transferred schools for my freshman year, and I'll tell you, my I feel like my freshman year, my hobby was eating, and the thing that I did was just eat all the time because, <laughs> you know, that's what you do when you have an unlimited meal plan. But no, my freshman year, I I did uh I played ultimate frisbee, so that was uh that was the thing that I absolutely loved. I was not super great because, as we we know, I can't run very fast or jump very high, but I was uh, I was always down to go play almost to a fault. And uh, <laughs> one funny story is we went to a tournament and they kind of asked me last minute to go the actual club team that was there. And I was 18 years old or 19. I don't remember if it had been which semester, but uh, still, you know, hey, mom, can I go do this? Can I go do that? And uh, I, <laughs> the tournament was in Ohio. So we were staying with one of the members' friends, and <laughs> he lived there in Ohio. So I, <laughs> I called my mom, and, and I texted her and told her when we left, and she was at work <laughs> during that time. And we, uh, I got a phone call when we were about halfway through Kentucky, <laughs> telling her where we were, uh, telling her where we were at, and she was not very happy about that one. But yeah, I went to Ohio for a tournament. Uh, it was fun. Got to play with people from all over the country. Uh, when when I transferred schools, uh, you know, kind of had a girlfriend at the time, so that that really took up most of my time. But 
I uh, did did music a lot. Uh, you know, once once I moved past uh, past the girlfriend there, uh, as Hunter said, I was part of a uh, one of the campus ministries there, and uh, I did that for for a long time. Played acoustic guitar for them. Uh, that that was, you know, I was kind of focusing my weeks and my time around going to the music, and because we practiced and we all hung out together, and and it was a good time. So that was. That was one of the things that I really looked forward to. Uh, I was part of the robotics club for a little while. That was fun. We worked on a uh, humanoid robot that actually never became humanoid. It was more just 3D printing and putting it together. But uh, you know, it's actually where I met a whole lot of my friends was was from robotics there. I got into 3D printing. That was actually my first experience. Was there at school, and uh, you know that was that was where I kind of picked up that passion for it. Uh, was was going through all that and uh, met at Hunter, met some other friends that I'm still friends with to this day. I never got into the droning. Uh, they all wanted me to, but I, I was never good at it. I tried to fly drones a few times and it just never worked out right. Uh, you know, some of us just had it, some of us don't. And I definitely don't have droning. So uh, once I once I moved on, I, I really kind of picked uh Picked back up gaming. A lot of my friends, once we uh, once we all graduated undergrad, they were gone. So jumping on and playing games was one of the few ways that we got to still hang out and talk to each other a few nights a week. Uh, we'd do that for hours uh, and, and movies. Man, I'm a huge movie buff, TV buff, and I was there living by myself uh, in, in our college town. Hunter was there. I had some other friends that were there, but uh, I was there by myself and. I was uh, I was with Caroline at that time, but we, uh, you know, she was she was still here in our hometown, going to school, and I was there, so uh, we were seeing each other, you know, every few weeks or a couple weeks on the weekends and whatnot. So it was just me, and you know, when you're by yourself, you can get through a whole lot of TV shows and series and whatnot. So uh, that was one thing that kept me going, and uh, I'm going to be the cliche person here, but uh, I got into CrossFit. And that was one thing that during really my most stressful time in school, which was my last couple of semesters there, uh, I was literally centering every single day around going to the gym because, man, it was just miserable the, that last year trying to cram and get everything done. And uh, yeah, dude, I'd center my days around going to the gym. When am I going to be able to work out? And you know, everybody always says you feel better when you do work out, and I did. And you know, pandemic kind of cut me out a little bit on being able to do that. But uh, yeah. finally got back into it here in town. But man, yeah. that I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just about to say, isn't that funny? I, I always felt the same way, whether it was your CrossFit or my swimming. You always dread going. You're like, oh, I don't really want to yeah. go to the gym. But then you just feel like a million bucks afterwards. And there's oh, something yeah. about exercising that just really melts away your stress. Oh dude, it's yeah, and it's one of those things that you know, you don't when you do that stuff, you're not supposed to be in your general classes competing with other people, but even if you're, you're the first one done or if you're the last one done, man just knowing you accomplished whatever you accomplished there and you know, I'm sure with swimming it's the same way, you can just come up with workouts that are just absolutely brutal. And, you know, yeah. yeah, dude. And that's the same thing with us. Like, I'm not in very good shape right now. Just, you know, pandemic year just hit me hard and I, I slacked off. I mean, I'll be honest. But uh, 
going back now and just slowly improving, you know, week after week, day after day, class after class. It's just being able to get something done. You just feel so much better. And I'll tell you what, when you're working out like that, uh, you really realize how long a uh, a minute can be. <laughs> that's that's one yeah. thing I'll say. Especially I'm pretty sure time slows down when you have weights in your hand. Oh gosh, dude, I'm convinced that a burpee is the long or a, a plank or you know burpees. If you're doing a minute of burpees or anything like that, that's the longest minute ever. Because <laughs> because literally, I'll be like I'll be holding a plank. We'll be doing like an ab workout. I'll be holding a plank for 30 seconds, and then I look at the clock, and only 10 seconds have went by. Like that's that's how it is. It's it, it's miserable, but you feel bad doing it and you, and right afterwards you're like, man, that was horrible. But then 20 minutes later, you feel like a million bucks when those endorphins start coming out. So, uh, yeah, that was really what, uh, what helped me. And then, you know, obviously during my last semester, uh, I got married and I don't know if, uh, I don't know if I'd say getting married is a good, is a good hobby to have, but it really helped me get through school there. That last one, having <laughs> having my support system there and having my wife uh, that, even though it was miserable, and me being someone who, who bottles everything up until it's time, like they just can't be bottled up anymore. And she's a, uh, she's a teacher for little kids. So uh, I really come to realize how, <laughs> how helpful that is for this oh, yeah. grown man over here when you have someone who can just be calm and collected and nurturing to you. So uh, she definitely was able to, to get me through that last bit of school because man, I couldn't imagine trying to do all of that during, you know, the pandemic time without having a support system. Yeah, I feel the it, exact same way. Yeah. 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 You, you had Brie there. It's man. If you, if we didn't have those people, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty dedicated. I, I, I you know, without a doubt feel that I could have got it done, but, Caroline definitely made it way, way easier. And like I said, I'm not going to recommend you go get married for, uh, <laughs> for, for something that you to do during <laughs> school, but, uh, whatever you do have, have someone like that, uh, it definitely makes life way, way better. And, you know, it just, your ups and downs, your good days, your bad days. But I'll tell you, I wouldn't trade a, a single day, single day with her for one without. That's for sure. Oh, amen to that. Yeah, we we need we need good women to keep us on the straight and narrow, don't we? <laughs> yeah, she keeps me in line. <laughs> yeah, the I'm, good thing is I need it. I need it. I I remember uh, we got uh, we got we got home one night and she was uh, there was somebody parked at that point. We were living in uh, a very small apartment and somebody was parked in our parking spot and it was a habit that had unfortunately developed. Because someone was lazy and didn't want to park two or three spots down and walk. Instead, they'd park in our spot, which was assigned to our unit, and, uh, and go in their door. And so I got, uh, I got fed up with it. And so I like parallel parked behind their car. And I was going to go inside and leave it. And she's like, listen. She said, I know this is frustrating, but you can't leave your car like this. I was like, okay, <laughs> so, so oh, yeah, uh, like things like that, you know, she just, she's the, the, the voice on my shoulder that helps me not get in trouble because I would definitely, uh, get in trouble if it, it wasn't for her. Oh yeah, dude. I'll, I'll say this with, um, 100% 
confidence and honesty. For those people who know me, I'm working on it, but my, my patience level with a lot of things is if is zero. <laughs> I have zero patience for so many things and and I, I can just get frustrated really easy. Like I don't have anger problems, but um my frustration with things happens and it comes on very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And Caroline is the epitome of patience. Uh, with me and with her job, like she she teaches school, so she tells me some of the stuff that goes on and and what happens, and I'm like, you're you're just a saint for for being able to do that. And, I'd have and, kicked a kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's some of the stuff she tells me. I'm like, I don't know how you do that and how you you know how you can deal with that and whatnot because I know like shoot as a kid I was very unruly, so I can I can imagine what she'd have to. She'd have to go through if she had like a kid like me in class, but <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm I'm 100% convinced that she was the one that was made for me because just as uh, quick as I am to get frustrated with things, and I'm one of those people that something that really really gets on my nerves quicker than about anything is a bad driver. Oh, oh, yeah, you you know you're 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 a, you're a driver oh, with makes things me that. Mad. Oh, I'm one of those people that if you do something silly on the road, I'm going to do my best to come up next to you and I'm going to look at you through the window. Like that's, that's the person that I am. And everybody knows the look. It's the wide eyed, like mouth pulled tight look, just like the. (laughs) And and I couldn't tell you how many times we've been going and she can always tell when, when I'm about, (laughs) when I'm about to do this, because I will immediately when they do something. I'll just look over my shoulder and immediately try to get over into the next lane because I'm doing what I have to do to get next to them. (laughs) And she'll just look at me and she'll say, don't do it. There's no need. There's no need for it. And I'm like, I know, but they need to know that they were wrong. I know (laughs) there's no need for it, but I want to. (laughs) And that's how it is, dude. I, I, I go... I just want to pull up next to people and I want them to know that they were wrong. Yeah. You know, there's no reason that you needed to pull out in front of me when there's no cars behind me and then go 25. There's no reason for it. So you need to know that that was wrong by me staring at you through the window. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I think she, I'm going to, I think I'm going to, uh, make an invention for both of us. It already exists, but I'm going to, I'm going to make us both something because I, when something like that happens to me, I often, spout off some sort of quick-witted remark about what they've done and i'm like if only they could hear me so i think i'm just going to put in a pa system on my car Uh, and i'll get you one too and you can just be like hey (laughs) yeah it we better not because that'll just get us in trouble but man yeah she's she's the epitome of patience and and definitely like you said that that voice of reason because there's been many times that I feel you. I do want to just parallel park right behind somebody because they do something silly like that. But uh, that's that's why that's why God made uh made women to be much much smarter than us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to roll my eyes at something like that, but it's very true. There's been so many times, and it's not like I'm being stupid on purpose. I just have a certain way of thinking, and I get so yep. one track minded, yep. and like. She's like, why didn't you think about it this way? And I'm like, that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Why didn't you think about it this way? Because I didn't. Yeah, because my brain doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> School has ruined it. But yeah, that's yeah, dude. We uh, so for me, sum it up: uh, music, games, and Caroline. That's uh, that's what got me through school and the things that kept me sane during all the the nonsense of the nineteen years that it <laughs> felt like I was in grad school. But boy, I'm glad to be done with school. Period. Oh my gosh, man, you have no idea. I mean, I know that's what we talked about last time and this time, and there will be further stories about school, but honestly, I'm, I'm much happier to be out of it, and uh, it's not something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. Um, it's a good way to gauge who we are and how we've gotten to this point, sure. but uh, in my day-to-day life, normally I'm not, I'm not really thinking about, about school. I know some people, like, are like, because people are like, you should go back and get your PhD, and I'm like... <laughs> No. So, so. Yeah, th- you know, there's there's been time and it's because that's all we've known for so long that I'll think about stuff like that. It's like, well, you know, I've done this much, so what's another, you know, two and a half years or three years, you know, do it online or whatever. And then I come home at night and I watch YouTube videos until I'm ready to go to bed. And mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, that's why. <laughs> that's why I did all this so that I can come home and enjoy my night so I can spend some time with my wife. And so I can see my dog. Like that's, that's the luxury what it is. of, of clocking out is, oh. is oh, just, yeah. cause you don't have to think about it. You know, with school, you don't get that. You go home from class, you got homework, you got other stuff to do. You don't get a break uh, unless you, you, you know, you take, take a little bit of time and, and do a vice or something, you know, but at, with work, once that clock hits four o'clock, my brain turns off and it's like, I wonder what we're having for dinner. And I wonder what we're going to watch on Netflix. Yeah. And that's all I can think about. And it's great. Yeah. Kind of the last thing I want to ask you about that here. Um, did you have that like that period of after you graduated where you were just constantly worried because you weren't doing something? Did you have that period? Um. Yes, but it was channeled into finding a job because that was that was during pandemic. Um, after I graduated, I did still work for the university for a little bit, training my replacement, the the new graduate assistant who took over the makerspace. Um, uh, I, I spent some time there working and I, I was basically a temporary employee of the university for a while and I was job hunting. So, yes, but I channeled it into finding a job. And then once I found my job, it all just went away because then I was just focused on getting started and getting integrated and, and learning what I what I needed to do. So uh, once I landed that position, there was like a two week period that I got to relax between when my temp employment at the university ended and my new job began. And those two weeks, I, I think, were as close to uh, to Nirvana as, as I'd been in a while. Like it was it was crazy relaxing to just know that everything was OK. And that I, for the next two weeks, all I had to do was was chill. So, yeah, it, for for me, it took me a little longer to find a job just because of where I'm at, and uh, there's just the positions aren't here, and this is where I wanted to be. So it was a little more exclusive and harder to find. But whenever I first graduated, I would literally, and I kid you not, I would wake up for several weeks. I woke up in the middle of the night 
because I was worried that I'd miss something, that I had an assignment coming up, that I couldn't tell you how many dreams that I honestly had about my research not being finished. Mm. And this was when like I had a diploma hanging on the wall. Like I had graduated. I had the, the, the piece of paper, all of that. And I would wake up in the middle of the night and be like just in, in a panic because uh, is there a test? Did a simulation not work out? Was, was, you know, something was, something needed to be done because I hadn't done anything in, you know, two, three weeks or whatever. But yeah, yeah, it was. And, you know, on top of that, I had the stress from all the, I mean, I started looking for a job, honestly, in February, like planning for whenever I graduated. And, yeah. And then time kept coming around and then it was March and then it was May and then it was July. And then I was officially graduated in August. So literally from like August until almost the end of November, I, I didn't have a job. I, I had a few interviews, but, you know, I had this. So the stress of finding a job, the stress of kind of getting out of that school mindset and, you know, the research, because school and research are two separate monsters that you have to kind of fight at the same time. But yeah. Uh, yeah, being able to get out of that mindset, it it honestly from you know I was done with my my classes in uh, in May the begin very beginning of May, but it took me honestly from May to I say probably till November or December until I was like never having those worries anymore, and it was wow yeah dude it it took me a long time I mean I was. As I said, I bottle everything in, so all the all that stress is sitting right here behind my neck. So it was uh it, it was just weighing on me, man. I was tense all the time. My my shoulders were always drawn up because because of everything, but it went away eventually. And uh, you know, I I right now have no desire to go back to that. No, no. desire. No desire to get back into a stage where, you know, waking up at night hoping something's done. I mean, I've thought about, you know, going back to, you know, like at the community college and maybe taking some like coding classes, something to just learn where it doesn't like matter how I do in it. But, uh, but yeah, the thought of going back to school right now is just big. It's a big no for me, dog. Yeah. I almost, I almost got hired on at the university. It wasn't something I was looking for. But they uh, they offered it to me and ultimately it, it didn't go my way. And I'm thankful that it didn't because I don't think I could have handled working, working back there still. You know, I, I had I'd applied for it for a job. It was at a uh, one of the another community college, not the one in, in my town, but it was one of at the town over or something. And it was a tenure track position. And I it wasn't, you know, the the first thing I'd applied for. I applied when it became available for it, but uh, I thought I would enjoy teaching. I thought I'd enjoy, you know, at that level where it's not all about research. It's not all about, you know, the accolades. You're 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 teaching these eighteen and nineteen year olds. But yeah, I can imagine trying to graduate from from university there, then jumping right back into it. That'd be That'd be a tough one, especially with working with the people that you didn't appreciate so much from from grad school. Yeah, I'm 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 eternally thankful that it didn't work out. 
And you know, it's funny because it those things happen. You know, I'm as I'm sure you've noticed, Hunter and I are both uh, are both uh, believers in Christ here, but uh, definitely a God thing. You know, where where I ended up in the position I was in, it was a God thing. Uh, I'd say the same thing is for you being where you're at, what you wanted to be doing. So, oh, absolutely. Uh, those those things just work out, and not in our time, but yep. you know, it always works out for the best that way. For sure. Well, Hunter, I think that this is a fine and dandy place to stop this bad boy. Oh, heck yeah. We covered a lot. I was kind of worried that we wouldn't hit an hour, but here we are over. You know, I think that 60 to 90 minutes, I think that's going to be our sweet spot. We may yeah. have like a Halloween special where we go for two hours, but I I think that's that range is going to be where it's at. And, uh, you know, we're going to look... I'm sure this one will end up still being on YouTube also, but uh, we'll, we're going to look and see about maybe something on Spotify, just because I think that's a little bit easier for, yeah. for most people for podcasts. And uh, who knows, maybe, maybe, in, you know, a few episodes, we'll get pretty good at this and we can cut out some little snippets and things like that and kind of give you a teaser of what the episode's going to be about. But no, big things coming, you know, like I said, this is our retirement. We're doing this so we can quit working <laughs> at 30. That's right. You'll know famous. we made. Yeah, you'll know we made it when Joe Rogan shouts us out. That's right, <laughs> Joe Rogan, all day. <laughs> all right, Hunter. Well, you have any, any social medias you decided to share? Or you still does not want people to bother you. No, nah, right now let's. Uh, there's nothing. When we talk about uh, when we talk about hobbies and stuff, we can talk about my YouTube exploits, and then we can we can talk about that then. But for now, we'll just save that. We'll save that little snippet for later. All right. Well. uh there you go. Hunter doesn't want you to bother him, so leave him alone. Uh, <laughs> go follow the Twitter. Like I said, it's uh, uh, the, the Sun Pod uh, on on there. Always going to put the uh, the link for the YouTube video, and whenever if if we end up on Spotify, it'll be on there too. And uh, I know you hate hearing it, but like the video, and if you subscribe and all that, because that that helps us to yes, to stay please, relevant. Please, 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 please. I promise you we're not doing that just for the as numbers. Some, as someone who's done YouTube for a while, if you want to hear the content, it's required. <laughs> you have to like the video. You have to you have to subscribe and you have to hit the bell. It's just the way it works. So if you can do that, if not, we understand. We probably wouldn't do it to us either. But <laughs> Hunter, my friend, it's been good talking to you. Same here. It's been good talking to you. All right. We'll... Uh, We'll do this again in a week or so. And Sounds good to me. <laughs> hopefully, going forward, everything will be released on Wednesday, but we'll say Wednesday slash Thursday is going to be our our yeah. window. <laughs> right All on. right, man. We will talk to you out here in about 30 seconds. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you all. Bye-bye. See ya.